David A. Price presents... Hello, folks. Welcome to Marvel Noise, episode 427. I'm your host, Steve Raker, the center head of our living tribunal, abutted on either side by Whirlwind X Kevin and Andrew the L.A. Rabbit, whose wise counsel keeps this show from being about the Fantastic Four and Moon Knight every episode. Hey, I like Moon Knight. <laughs> I'm wearing the half thing over my eyes like what do you call that not like a veil that's what i'm wearing like nick fury does on when he's on the moon sure. <laughs> <laughs> nick fury on the moon that is a that never that robo dugan will never get old i like how they almost fixed it and then nope <laughs> back on the moon well andrew good to hear your voice glad you made it back i kind of envisioned you Charging across the tundra, all frozen like the beast, carrying the phoenix through the elements. And that <laughs> when they escaped, like Magneto's volcano fortress, <laughs> oh. way back when. Yeah, I'm, I'm not not quite uh, huffing it that hard, but I appreciate the sentiment. Much more <laughs> soft and mushy. <laughs> Marvel Noise is the semi-monthly podcast, happily, no, proudly sponsored by nobody. You can check out episodes new and old over on marvelnoise.com and follow our Facebook and X pages for new episode announcements and feedback. We've been experimenting with a format of alternating recent read roundtables with our like group read type features. And the calendar on the wall here in the old comic book bunker says it's time for a roundtable. Verily. What? Steve, don't forget, uh, Kevin and I are on Blue Ski as well. That's right. That's that's for you True, to promote. Uh, skeeting out Marvel Noise. Uh, uh, we we post about Marvel Noise, don't we, Kevin? Or someone does? It, yeah. The, 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 it, it's funny because like the indie uh, one was, was like a sentient uh, Twitter feed. So now it's it's kind of weird because now like Marvel noise has been consumed, and now it's like the indie Marvel sentient sentient Blueski uh, like, uh, thing. Is that like Machine Man being consumed by Warner Brothers? Sure, yeah. sure. That's that was a weird one. Right? I wonder well, how that's going to work itself out. Well, we need to do co-branding. That's all acquisitions. It's all the heart of everything, right? I mean, that's what modern companies that we acquire each other. So it only yeah. makes sense. But you know what? I thought we were here to discuss my controversial uh, MCU ranking. Oh, well, I'm willing to. I'm willing to bat it around, wrestle with it a little. Yeah, if I've seen it. I'm, I mean, I haven't seen. Uh, echo yet but i plan to i just have fell behind on things and i see that the marvels is coming to disney plus in early february for those of you that have the service uh i i enjoyed it so i'd say check it out i mean if you got it already it's free so check yeah, it out they i mean i've watched echo 
they let you pay for it streaming um, as of like last week or the week before, even though it's going to be free next month. And uh, it was a couple of days right before my uh, oldest was going back to college and he wanted to see it. So heck, for the price of less than two movie tickets, we, uh, you know, bought it on um, streaming, whatever, on uh, Amazon or whatever it was and uh, watched it, uh, the whole family. So uh, I was pleasantly surprised. I I expected to um, for it to be better than I thought was expecting because a lot of people that I know uh, and whose opinion I can usually trust said it was pretty good. So uh, I strapped in for the ride and there were some things that were pretty rote, um, but it was, uh, you know, it it sort of seemed like it should have come out a few years ago, right after the whole infinity war thing to follow up on the whole blip and all that sort of business. But um, I guess uh, they had to have the, Nick Fury come back beyond the Secret Wars thing first, I guess, or something. But I, I had a good enough time. The, the effects and stuff were really good, and the fight scenes were choreographed without it being um, like too hard to follow what was going on, that kind of stuff. And uh, it wasn't too over-the-head girl powery. We have to There's reward cats, them. Steve. Cats. We yeah. also have to reward them, Steve, for not making a movie that's like six hours long. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was so, it was like one one forty five or something like that. It was yeah. definitely doable. That part, but I'm like you. I we've been discovering this because movie tickets and getting out and all that. You're right. Actually, sometimes just renting this stuff at home for, as you say, it's usually cheaper than getting it. We we've uh, my wife and I last few years have done that more and more because you're like, eh, it's on our TV. If we want to pause it and get something to eat or go to the bathroom or whatever, like there's no. I don't know. Movie theaters need to watch out, I guess, is what I'm saying. I want to do the reverse. Everyone's getting out, and I'm like, I want to get in. (laughs) Got to get in before you get out. I mean, I don't want to spend $150, which people tell me is is a possible price for the movies. If you got a family, bring the family for sure. Oh, so what what was your controversial rankings, Kevin? Oh, it 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 was nothing fancy. I mean... It, it was just when we were doing all our lists and yeah. uh, end of year stuff and people were ranting and raving about stuff. I thought, well, I'm going to set up my own uh, just for my own amusement. I was like, it was like the post end game, like what my ranking of uh, all those movies would be. Cause I, and I wasn't... Uh, I guess I, I sort of included like like Venom in there, but not Venom 2. Like, I didn't know how far I should go, right? And I'm like, I don't know if I'm really ranking the TV series or anything. I included Venom, but not Venom 2. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's what made me thought. I'm like, oh, no, do I have to watch Venom 2 to finish this list if I'm going to have Venom on this list? Uh, well, Star Trek 1 through 3, but 4 was just completely... <laughs> I'm not watching five, so I'm only ranking one to four and six. Oh, so wait, was the second one the one with uh, uh, Carnage and everything, Kevin? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I'll see probably that. see it at some point, somewhere. Well, if you didn't I mean, see it, that's fair. I guess I should. I just. I feel like these things barely. I have to quiz myself. Like, did I really see? 
uh, Morbius, or did I just imagine oh, brother. it? Did I see I Venom too? Like some of these, all blend. And we couldn't get our Silver Sable movie. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, th- that's that's the weirdest thing. It's like the characters that could actually support a movie. They're like, no, we want Hypno Hustler instead. And I'm like, fine, do your Hypno Hustler movie. Kevin, did you see in the comics that Silver Sable was kissing Nightcrawler dressed as Spider Man? <laughs> what? Where did that happen? Isn't that crazy? There's like a, there's a series right with this whole Fall of X thing. There's there like all the mutants are on the run and in hiding or off planet or being chased down or whatever. And Nightcrawler is hanging out in New York dressed like Spider Man. Yeah, being like another Spider Man, like he's the uncanny Spider Man or something like that. And um, the Silver Sable was chasing him. It was first; it was like this commando, and you didn't know who it was. And then she takes off the helmet, and you still really don't know who it was. And then she says it's Silver <laughs> Sable, and I'm like, "Oh, okay, now I get it." Um, but then they kiss, and then she's chasing him. But uh, behind the scenes, they're having like an affair and everything. And what? Um, yeah, it was kind of weird. Why do they but... always have these weird? I mean, they're not. Like, there's not necessarily wrong with these different takes or or slots they put her in in a story, but it's always just something that's like, oh, we're doing this now, and I'm like, really? Yeah. Well, the, the um, I guess the, probably the driving force of doing it was to, they did a whole resolution of the mystique and Nightcrawler and what they mean to each other and how they're connected. And that's why they did that one shot that was like an Origins thing. Yeah. That was like a spinoff of this little limited series, the Uncanny Spider-Man. But it was it had its entertaining moments, though there were other things in it that were like, there's weirdness. Well, hey, she's the most famous uh, person from Simkari I can think of, Steve. <laughs> 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 yeah, can you name every member of the Wild Pack? No. <laughs> no. And I'm I refuse. Guy. There was the angry guy. There was the Mr. Pouches. <laughs> the guy, with the, the, guy with the shield. The one with the haircut. <laughs> the sandy one. Okay, you want me to give you this this, this uh, the full list? I'll give you the rundown. All right, give us the list. Okay, in um, descending order from the top. Uh, wait, Guardians hey, wait, of the wait, wait! What do you mean descending order from the top? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing with oh. you. <laughs> okay, the top of the list, the best of the best. Okay, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. That was good. Uh, Black Widow. I, that one. It just didn't do it for me, but there were some parts to it that were fun. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, the the Marvels. Yeah, this was that was decent. Uh, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Hmm. Uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, I like that more. Well, I think Kevin didn't like the America. You know, he's from <laughs> Canada. No, no, because I thought you didn't like her being new with her, not as. Didn't you, Kevin, say you didn't like yeah. that they just plucked her as like a new person who I doesn't didn't know like her jacket? Doing? No, it was it was it was like a year zero yeah. for the character. 
I've always said that uh, usually the origins are the least interesting part yeah. of most of the things for me personally, anyways. I mean, especially for that character, the the stuff that made that character sing like comes after like the weirdo origins. The fact that they did her origin that way in the move in another movie that was going on versus how they did Ms. Marvel by having her have a series first and then like it would have been a little too the same move if they introduced yeah. them both in the same media format, you know what I mean? So I I don't know. I'm alright with it. Alright, go on. Uh Eternals. I still haven't seen that. Oh, I mean, Disney I Plus the the big sci fi ideas. It's like a Guardians of the Galaxy that's I guess uh, less humor, maybe. Hmm. I think, and this is going to sound a lot terrible, but <laughs> I feel like <laughs> Richard Madden is a fine actor, but doesn't have that movie star thing to it. Like he was fine in Game of Thrones too, and it's not like he's a bad. There's just something about a guy that, like Michael B. Jordan, when they're on the screen, you're like, that's where your eye, you know, like there's a movie star guy. And I just felt that they kind of hung it on him and he wasn't the guy for that. But it's Stockville, a great actor. Like the one guy was just in, uh, the other guy was in what, that Salt Burn movie? And like there's people that have real chops and awards in it. I just feel like for the lead, maybe you land some guy with a little bit more star power and have that sparkle. And I'll, I felt the same way, to be honest, about uh, Dane Whitman, too, that actor. Another Game of Thrones guy. Fine actor, <laughs> but I want more movie star, less actor. In fact, I'll take a guy that's worse at acting and more movie <laughs> star quality sometimes. But yeah. uh, I, I actually liked it, though. I've seen yeah. it a bunch of times. Like, it's got real beautiful kind of contemplative scenes. I just think you put... You know, it's a superhero movie, so you need a guy with a little bit of, or girl with a little bit of oomph to get the kids excited, you know? You you need to find all those Hugh Jackmans just waiting in the wings. Yeah, that kind of thing. Well, I also feel guys like Chris Evans, like, I think they've done a good job finding them for other ones. I just feel, uh, Chris Pratt, I think, I'm not the biggest fan, but I think he's really got a something to him, you know? Those Jurassic movies kind of leave me cold, but I'm not going to say he's not a guy that isn't doesn't have something going. It's also weird that you go from like chatty Ultron, so I'm like, it's almost like, oh, this is the response to all the people to me that you know, it's like, oh, you don't want Ultron joking? Well, here about we have some guys that don't joke. They still had it up the whole time, and I'm like, no, you could actually use a little bit of. They still had some. The engineer guy had a few, but it wasn't the kind of quippy thing. Yeah, that you get in Guardians type of thing. It was much more measured. The other problem is like that's a big cast to give time, and then they want a spoiler. See, they want a big twist in it. So, and as usual, I did feel the the MCU villain design is kind of meh to me at this point i wish they'd mix it up a little bit instead of the grayscale orcs that they're always fighting and (laughs) whether it's the chitari or thanos or uh, the deviants in this case 
I mean, come on, Kirby, say what you will, uh, was not afraid of color yeah. even with his bad guys. So I think those splashes of color would have added some, but uh, it might just be too much work on the other, on the creatives. You know, I get that. These people aren't, they're humans. They're not machines. They, they got to get home and they already work really hard as we've seen with recent stories. So I don't want to be critical of them, but yeah, more, more color in the bad guys. What's, uh, what's after Eternals? Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. I like that one. How many holes do you have, Steve? <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, I have he was holes. a fun guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that was the movie where I was watching it. I was like, at what point do, do, did people start not liking this movie? Because I'm like, i like an hour in or whatever, and I'm like, this doesn't seem that bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, it did feel like... Maybe if they'd all just listened to the Wasp in the beginning, they wouldn't have any when she was like, just stop yeah. screwing around with that. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we're going to keep screwing around with that. I think so many of these superhero movies, the hero creates the problem that sure. they then solve. I think just exploring a new realm um, and what the what's going on there is so uh, such a basic not just human thing, but like think of like uh, sci-fi and Star Trek and that kind of stuff. Um, but I think people um, don't appreciate that as much as they want some type of huge situational thing, um, you know, that has some type of gravitas that um, I, the wonder of exploration, I think, is lost on some of the uh, Marvel movie consuming community who just want the next chess pieces moved around and connection shown between them or resolved or whatever else. And I, I know he's been canceled and rightly so, but I really, another guy I liked was Jonathan majors and that, and the Loki show. Yeah. He was I mean, better in the Loki guy. show. So yeah. I don't mind them getting rid of him. Yeah. After that Loki really show, I'm kind of done with him though. Uh, he was <laughs> to see him all as the bumbling, uh, you know, but timely and all game. that. I am. I'm, I'm done with, I'm done with that's his delivery. Him. Not that him. All right, so who's after Quantumania? Uh, Shang-Chi. Uh, I like, oh, I, I, I like, like that the... one better than you do, Kevin. Yeah, me too. I, it's not bad. It's just, I don't know. It wasn't Fin Fang Foom. You were so mad. That, you know, if if that would have been in that movie, that would have bumped it up at least one. On, like, that would have been higher than... Than it already is on this list. Yeah, that that would have really helped seal the deal there. Again, they could use some color in those bad guys. Jeez. Next, uh, Spider Man No Way Home. Wow, that was all right. I like that. People right. like those Spider Man movies way more than than I do. Obviously. Mm. Uh, Thor: Love and Thunder. Yeah. Was that the last Thor or the one? Before? Oh, yes, that yeah, was the last, the last one. one. Yeah, I felt like he was just retreading what he'd already done with, with less interest. And it's 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 a great story in the comics. Uh, it's it's there in the movie. It's just kind of there. Yeah, I just, it just felt like he was trying to do the same things that they just did, and that doesn't. You know, you got to do the next gag. Can't keep yeah. repeating same business. At least for me. I'm and then the last one on my list was Venom, which, uh, I mean, it's, it's 
it it, it knows what it is and it doesn't uh, stay around too long. I refuse to comment until you watch Venom too. Yeah, I was gonna say, can't we say it's Venom and Venom too? <laughs> I mean, I'm probably it's not. Well, I guess it could pass Thor: Love and Thunder, but I'm not expecting it to go anywhere. So, yeah. Yeah, Morbius is a weird one, Kevin. You should seek that one out. It's it's Morbin time. Is it what you're saying? Yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I find the ones that are particularly hated to be interesting in a way. Just to watch. I mean, I'll never watch it again, but you can learn more sometimes from the ones where you're like, what exactly happened in this movie? Then you can sometimes from like the big winners. Or this like the pretty- middling ones where you're like, yeah, that movie was okay, but you know, you <laughs> kind of forget it. The really bad ones, you're like, oh, it's interesting what happened other than Jared Leto. <laughs> Been reading anything, Andrew? All right, I've got two cheat ones. Well, one cheat one and one proper one. What do you want first? Whatever I want to see you cheating. Cheat, okay. Um, now, you guys, uh, it leads into what Kevin was just talking about. Uh, for Christmas, I got the MCU, the Reign of Marvel Studios hardcover oh. by Joanna Robinson and Dave Gonzalez. I tell you, it's a real page turner. Um, when my wife got it for me, she was worried that like this will be all stuff you know. But because I don't really like track the behind the scenes and everything, it was all, almost all new to me. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. follow the news about who got casted and when they changed directors. So it's really fascinating to see. And I think we've talked about how much I'm in admiration of the kind of unique thing that they've done, building this kind of interconnected web, you know, transferring the Marvel comic universe to some version in movies and TV that to my understanding has never been done before and is enormously successful. And it was just really neat looking at kind of all the pieces. And then you realize like all the connections, like I forgot that like Jeff Johns was an intern with Kevin Feige at the same time and everything, you know, all the, all the, the sort of small world. And then, you know, obviously the Marvel TV spinoff, the, uh, Loeb stuff and everything. And it was funny, like Loeb chose not to comment for this book on his time. Uh-huh. And just when things and how they sort of built this machinery to generate the content in a way and how far out it had to go. And like their whole writers. I don't know. It was just like I said, it might be boring or something if you follow all that stuff, but because I don't know anything, I'm like, this is, Really interesting how they build this stuff. I also don't realize all the fight. They have to go to arbitration about writing credits all the time. And like all the sort of behind the scenes, I thought was fascinating to read laid out in this narrative like this. And I was like, man, this is a, maybe it's nonsense or whatever, but I'm excited to hear about it. And there's so many characters like Ike Perlmutter and stuff. Oh, yeah. The other thing I never realized was how quickly... Avi was out because mm. how it works, you keep your name on stuff long after, right? Like yeah. he was out really fast, and I always thought he was in it. Like just things like that that I, I'm sure if I thought about it, it would have made sense, but it just never glommed on. I thought he was in the, you know, because it's not, but it was pretty much like Blade, and like that's about you know in the first X Men movie or two because they shifted to the 
instead of licensing them out, that was his gig. They wanted to make them in-house now, right. and that was the shift. That, and he was not. Yeah, so it was just fascinating to kind of this thing that we all spend time with, and I recommend it. Good pictures like and stuff? Uh, no pictures. Oh, a big it. boy book. Yeah, yeah, just um, just this. It's it's called an unauthorized behind the scenes story, and how uh, I haven't gotten to the end yet. And I kind of wish they were a little bit more focus on the beginning phase a little bit. Um, they have a lot, but I was like, yeah, what happened with things like Man Thing and all? But maybe they're like, look, <laughs> Marvel had a bunch of crappy deals. Like they do note that yeah. there were just a lot of bad deals they made back in the day that I think took a long time to spin out the fantastic four Roger Corman movie and all that, like all these things that had long reaching implications. But as you guys know, I've read tons of books about like the bankruptcy, including some of the business ones. And it's just an interesting time to think how it seems so inevitable now, but it was really like it, it, they could have easily broken up Marvel in that 97 bankruptcy and parted it out, you know, to different companies and everything. Yeah. And or just or a weird... Iron Man would have, would have like, they put all that money up and the company up to like, Hey, Iron Man's going to be a success. Mm-hmm. Like, what if none of that stuff like, worked yeah. Liefeld could have drawn Captain America forever. <laughs> oh. And you got like, you also, well, maybe you remember, <laughs> but, uh, Robert Downey Jr. had a lot of problems. You, you know, think? he was coming oh, off yeah, all those rehabs and stints before, and criminal charges. Like. Before that, his best role was uh, like a, as a uh, Ally McBeal's love interest for a few seasons or something. I mean, yeah, I had the the Chaplin movie. Um, that was, that was a, after, wasn't it? That was like a eight hour. Uh, I don't know how anyone like. I think that's when I walked out of perhaps at the uh, hour seven or Did whatever. You walk out but, quietly. quietly? <laughs> I waddled back and forth, Steve, and yeah. spun my cane around. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he was like a big risk in it. I don't know, it was just a fascinating cool. look at this beast of a machine. So, if, And I had not heard of it, but I guess it's people have been talking about it. I don't know. I'm so out of the loop on like the movies and TV crap. What do you mean? I mean, sometimes it's, it's good to be out of the loop because then you see an article like, all this stuff is like is back in continuity or back in the universe. And I'm like, I never knew it was out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm hoping they talk about the failed silver sable movie, Kevin, for you and me. Oh, it, it was black cat. It was, it was, wasn't it black and tan? No, not black and tan, black, black and silver. <laughs> Something like that. I just, yeah, I don't know. Some weird name like that. Anyways. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I think there's real, but cause it's like an action movie. Uh, bam it's i don't know i just don't know how it doesn't sell it's not a complicated it's an act yeah it's in a superhero world but it's an action movie they're mercenaries they go after back like how many thousands of action movies are like, it just seems like such a no-brainer yeah that okay you have a, a goofy outfit or two like that's it that's the only risk you're taking other than a standard bog standard guaranteed to make money movie gotta have know. the headband yeah that's for sure and dating but, Doctor Doom, but the rights for that. That's that's the thing. The two things I think about is Sandman's part of the team. I don't know if you can do that. And like, yeah, dinner with Doctor Doom. <laughs> hey. and, and maybe a, maybe a team up with Deathlock. Maybe. Jeez. Oh, All right, I read some comics. I got some comics for you. 
Kevin, have you been reading the Gang War in Amazing Spider-Man and beyond? Yeah, I'm not caught up. Uh, <laughs> Gang War was a uh, Amazing Spider-Man one shot, and then so far it's been in Amazing Spider-Man issues 39 to 42, and a bunch of other tie-ins and associated limited series like like my mile Morales's series and there's a Luke Cage thing and a Shang-Chi thing and the new Spider-Man series. Thing. Yeah, Electra. Oh, nice. I mean that Daredevil thing. Yeah. Now's yeah. a chance to sell me, Steve. Get me on board to buy 7,000 unrelated comics. <laughs> yeah, no, don't. Just buy the regular just buy Amazing Spider-Man and and the and the yeah. one shot that kicks off the uh whatever you want to call it, mini event arc. And but I'll tell you I got excited with the first page turn because there's a map, Kevin. Oh, I love a map. There's a oh, yeah, map. I think I saw that map. Yeah, yeah, because it shows all the all the different gangs and bosses and everything and where they are in the city. Yes, it shows New York City and all the areas yeah. that the different crime syndicates control. Like, I'm like, this is genius. Why haven't we seen this before, you know? But uh, my excitement turned to a state of like frenzied confusion when I realized a few issues in that the map was changing with the events <laughs> of each issue. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, including the, the mini and stuff. So like I tried to track it. Honestly, I did, but I'm just imagining you with this like cork board up on the <sighs> wall. You would printed out the map and every issue you're trying to, you're crossing out where the territory is, adding new territory, pinning new boxes up on the wall. Or holding this them up so... to the sunlight to like see through to see <laughs> yeah. how the map borders changed. This is smart by Martin. Now they can just release a book of just the different maps at the <laughs> yeah. end of this. Like a flip book. Yeah. <laughs> oh. but, now I, but now I'm just like, I just quickly glance at the map and get right to the story because it's like, I'm not, I can't. I just can't. So this is written by Zeb Wells, and the amazing issues are drawn by John Romita Jr. with Scott Hanna Inks. The one shot had art by Joey Vasquez and Julian Shaw. So Robbie Robertson and Tombstone's kids were getting married, and their wedding gets disrupted, which starts an all-out war between the crime gangs with each one looking to take advantage of the, you know, the boundaries shifting and, and being redrawn. So you got Tombstone and Madame Mask and, and the Kingpin, well, but mostly his heirs, uh, the Owl, uh, the the Magia, Mr. Fish. They even got the, uh, the tracksuit mafia guys. No one makes fun of Mr. Fish. Yeah, well, yeah, that might have. They might not have Mr. Fish, but they do have other guys. <laughs> uh, Silvermane's head. They do have Silvermane's <laughs> head. Right. They do have that. Um, the enforcers. The enforcers. Oh they got yes. That. Dan, uh, fancy Big Dan. Man. Yep. Fancy yep. Dan. Yes. Tex. So Spidey's got help from Miles Morales and She-Hulk and Elektra and Spider Woman whose series launches out of this event. So, you know, it's fun to see as it gets played out. Um, but I would recommend stick to the Amazing Spider-Man issues because the rest of the stuff is really fluff. 
Mm, I don't know, Steve. Seems highly unlikely that Marvel would have a bunch of really unnecessary tie-in issues <laughs> to an important event. I mean, the Spider-Woman <laughs> one is kind of different because that's going to be an ongoing, from what I understand, and it's just starting out tied into this. And that's written by Steve Fox with art by Carola Borelli. With Not Lennel, Foxy? Lennel U covers. Him, him I've heard of. And in these issues, she's fighting uh, Diamondback, but not that Diamondback, the Diamondback who's a crime lord. And he's uh, connected with a Hydra. And they've got an enforcer called the Green Mamba, who's pretty bad. But Spider-Woman, she they portray her really as a tough, like, a real ass-kicking... Like, like, um, fights out of her weight class and comes out on top, that kind of thing. Um, but there's a twist where I guess she must have died, she died during the last Spider Mania event or whatever they call it, Spider Verse thing, and was brought back like she was stabbed by the knife that takes you out of the web of destiny or some kind of thing. And when she got re put in her infant son wasn't like rewritten into reality. What? That's weird. And she has, she knows that she's had a kid, but nobody else does. And Oh, like she's looking around her apartment. There's no sign that there ever was a baby there, except she does find one little sentimental thing that just makes her have like a, explosion of emotion that like oh my gosh i am not crazy i know i had a kid and nobody else knows so she's got to like try to figure out what's going on she you know she's driven by wanting to find her her kid um but at the same time she's dealing with um helping out with the spider uh gang war thing yeah what if they got spider boy instead <laughs> oh no no <laughs> she's all grown up yeah that'd be weird we saw that coming. You heard it here first. <laughs> I got to run down that first appearance, right, Kevin? That's that's gonna <laughs> gonna fund my retirement, right? Uh, that was a hot book, that's for sure. Hmm. So I acquired some uh, Marvel Legends, the latest and greatest, wow. and uh, we've sort of completed uh, that initial New Warriors uh, team. Finally. Oh. In plastic. Wow. So I got, yeah, I got Justice and then uh, Namorita, but they they chose the blue Namorita. Really? Nice. With the but, revenge yeah, I, armor? I, I, <laughs> that, that, that's the thing. Maybe they thought it, it, it would be too boring to have the regular in a swimsuit Namorita. But we also didn't get the 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 weird warrior um, shellfish armor either. So I mean, it works. But I'm like, yeah, interesting choice there, uh, toy designers. Hmm. Was there a chance that this is just using like the red She-Hulk bu- buck, pretty much, with some wings on the ankle and a new head I sculpt? I don't think she's that big to be like like a hulky character so 
I don't know. That, I didn't. I didn't inspect. Because that outfight has that, has that vibe to it. The one they gave her has that kind of vibe to it. And I was yeah. like, oh, I wonder if they could repart out that. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they. Like it makes sense that they would uh, use a part from somewhere. How do you feel about the winds or water swept hair? I guess. And uh, like, is that to make her look like she's underwater? I take it, right? Or flying? <laughs> or. I'm guessing. I mean, as long as they did that one rogue like years ago in that box set before they had made another one. And that was like the like once you got the the one they made after that, you're like, okay, I don't need a windswept (laughs) ruined hair. Weird. Whatever they're doing there, like (laughs) it was just like, yeah, this has been replaced. (laughs) I would really like a silhouette, though. Like, I guess that would be the last major character, like, that I could do others, obviously. I mean, I'll take any new warriors. Yeah. Well, but, you need to get uh, uh, the the two mentors that he had. The old he, woman. and the. <laughs> you mean you want hindsight, lad, right? So you No, have... no, I meant the, the old woman that was running oh, the base. Right. <laughs> yeah. So you've got Night Thrasher. Yes. And Firestar. Yeah. And Nova. Uh, I, I could have had Nova, but oh. I have terrible luck with Nova. Okay. But I do have Ad Nova. Ad Nova. It's the Sam. Yeah. You have the Sam Nova? I, I do have Sam. Okay. Uh, and um, Justice. And, yeah. Uh... Rage. Yeah, got Rage. Wow. Pretty cool. I know, because yeah. I was thinking, well, they had cl- completed something, because we kept on getting a few, and I'm like, okay, and then we yeah. got two in one wave, but I'm like, there's some teams where I'm just like, yeah, I don't, like, the Thunderbolts is sort of still <laughs> percolating there. They ever finished the Wrecking Crew? <laughs> um, I feel like I'm, I'm just missing one wrecking crew but i'm not sure if i missed that one or because it was a weird thing where you had to put stuff did you have to put someone together yeah the wrecker was a build a figure oh that's that's what i don't have i don't have the record yeah me neither yeah so i mean sometimes you you win on that stuff and sometimes you don't well, look. Let's be honest. The wrecker is the least memorable member of the oh, wrecker. Okay. Right? What? They you know. the team after him. I would say the wrecker is the most important <laughs> member. I think everybody thinks of bulldozer when you think of the wrecking. Crew. He's not even a, per- a founding member. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would probably put bulldozer above the pile driver. Yeah. But at least pile driver was there. This <laughs> is true. Look, they can't figure out how to sculpt a crowbar. Okay, it's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't, I don't think they'll finish the runaways at at any time soon. I was like hoping, but uh, I feel like that's dead in the water. Hmm. But I think Thunderbolts, we have a good chance. Yeah, hey, gotta I get to fight bolts, right, Kevin? I don't think they'll right, do that Kevin? meteorite armor, because no one wants to draw that, and I don't think anyone wants to sculpt that original armor either. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Haven't they done her before? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I have one. Yeah. yeah, so. 
Yeah, but we need def desperately need like a, a fixer techno, hmm. which is also a lot of work. Oof. Talk about a figure that's not gonna fly off the shelves. <laughs> I mean, is is Jolt gonna fly off the shelves more? Is I there, would think so. Is there a Jolt? No. All right. I wouldn't think. I mean, you could go really original team and say you don't need a Jolt, but I mean, you you almost need to have a Jolt. Yeah, that's, that's very early on. I agree. You need Jolt. You need charcoal. I mean. We need these <laughs> members of the Thunderbolts that are key. You need humus. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, boy. <laughs> you guys been reading any of the um, this whole Fall of the X thing? With the, the X-Men here? Like, like I I've been reading some of it. Any of it you've enjoyed? I'd say I, I I think the what I usually say is good writers are still the good writers for the most part because they're telling their story. Hmm. The thing that didn't work so well for me, and I kind I was I kind of like, oh, this might be a bit too bleak. I mean, not that the titles are like all happy, happy. Anyways, I mean. They're all they all have their sort of darkness, but the uncanny Avengers was uh I was kinda disappointed by. So Yeah, I'm I feel like the probably the overarching um plot that's at work here from them to get from point A to point B probably is gonna make sense at some point and be a pretty decent idea or whatever. But it's taking a really long time to execute whatever that move is, and in the meantime, like you, is the the stories aren't very um, uplifting or heroic, or it's like month after month we're going with you know Cyclops tied up with his eyes sewn shut, yeah, in captivity, and it's like it just seems. I mean, there's all. What's been redeeming is there have been a lot of character moments that have been good and um, sometimes plot beats that have been good. But by and large, I'm finding it a struggle to wade through. Um, I'm trying not to think of the end game because I'm it's just like, but, but, where do you where do you go but if not... it's just it's just because the the concept they set up is oh we we've been like getting ex exterminated and and everyone hates us so they're like oh we'll just do to humans what humans taught us to do and then i'm like if that didn't work so you go back to being exterminated like they like they came back like it, i guess you could say it wasn't humanity that it was more like ai and all these rogue factions but it also seems like they don't have a lot of redeeming qualities for like humanity either, where they're like, like Orcus would put out like one press release and all the humanity would be there going, Oh, the X-Men are the worst villains in human history. Like that's, that's how the story seems to be going. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I got to keep my eye on that fact that it's going somewhere because otherwise yeah. this is what the X-Books are is just this bleak, not uplifting 
you know, uh, it, uh, fractured uh, series, See, series of events. I mean, it's weird. The one, the one thing I can compare it to is the, is the run where everything was extremely bleak before Hickman came, came over and everything. I'm like, I thought that was a poor run and that was bleak. So I compare it to this bleak and I'm like, this is certainly better than that run. So one arc that I really have enjoyed that really stuck out to me. Um, and even though it's smack in the middle of all of what's going on is a recent Wolverine arc that ran from uh, issues 37 to 40 was a four part last mutant standing storyline written by Benjamin Percy with art by Juan Jose Rip. Oh, there's a name from the past. Right? Yeah. With all the super detailed stuff. And issue 37, each each of the four issues has a different guest star that he teams up with, Wolverine teams up with. 37, it's the Hulk. And Wolverine is, he's been on a mission. This is like the tail end of the last storyline too. He's been on a mission to chase down all of the clones that exist of him that the dark beast put out there or the regular beast or whatever they you're calling him these days, the beast. Um, and so Wolverine's been chasing him down and killing them. And this, he gets the Hulk's help because one of the Wolverines went feral and was up in Canada and ate some human flesh. And you know what happens oh. when you eat some human flesh in Canada you become Windigo. You become a citizen? Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was part of the test. So the Hulk and Wolverine got to take down a windigo Wolverine clone. And Does he yell, Windigo? <laughs> I forget. And then uh, Wolverine chases down the last clone who has set himself up in Madripoor <laughs> as Patch. He's, getting, he's taken... Uh, advantage of the cred that Wolverine built up there so he has to go and and take him out then issue 38 he teams up with Captain America and they take out a whole bunch of Orcus um, like commandos who are on a a big cruise ship where there's a auction happening of all of the items that were pilfered from the X-Men's you know, uh, establishments and stuff since they've been chased off planet. And with the Juan Jose rip art, there's a really great section where like they each have to make their way off the boat in a certain amount of time. So you see Captain America, like in a panel or two cruise and there's a full page, like a double page spread of a cutaway of the ship and Wolverine's cutting his way through each floor all the way to the bottom, just creating havoc along the way. And you know what happens when you cut your way through the bottom of a ship, uh, letting in the water. And it was just a, it was a cool, uh, it was like Gru doing what Gru does best. Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really cool how they depicted it. Wasn't there that one where, um, one of the Miller ones where he goes on the helicarrier and like wipes yeah. out a bunch of them, similar kind of, I remember there were a lot of cool visuals from that. Then issue 39, there is he, Wolverine is trying to prevent Orcus from doing business with a 
criminal enterprise in Wakanda to shore up like a rare um, metals mine. And of course, the Black Panther helps him out. And then in issue 40, it's art by Ibrahim Mustafa and it teams up with Spider-Man in space, 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 space. No, really. Where Spider-Man belongs. Yeah, but, but I'm <laughs> serious. He goes, it's because he needs someone with some tech knowledge um, to help because they're going to infiltrate this orbiting space satellite um, station thing to like steal some data or something like that or put in a virus or whatever the heck they're doing. So it's not Orbis Stellaris. <laughs> but a very entertaining arc. I know it's about to go into some saber tooth war arc. Um, but yeah, uh, but I, I've been, Benjamin Percy's Wolverine has been hit and miss with me. Um, there are some arcs I've really enjoyed and some where I felt like it's just kind of floating. And this was a entertaining one, even with the, um, you know, thing of having a guest star in each issue. Yeah, Cause Wolverine's like, like a Spider-Man or the thing in like, they could have a team up book where it's like Wolverine and you know, he's got connections with everybody by now, you know, this is true. He's popular. And I know we were, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Steve. I was going to say, I read another Wolverine one that is also written by Percy, which is the predator versus Wolverine four issue series. And that was kind of neat because they had a bunch of different artists. Um, Ken Lashley and Greg Land, Andrea DeVito, Hayden Sherman, and a couple of guys who I, I can't recall and didn't recognize, but the art was fine. Um, and it follows like a series of encounters that Wolverine's had with a predator on Earth, but it's the same predator and it's over time. So each artist does a different time period. So having the different artists works but you get like Wolverine versus oh, nice. Predator like before he's Wolverine when he's still like um a, a youth as like uh James Howlett and you get him as like Weapon X and you get him on the 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 um team with Maverick and Sabretooth versus a Predator and you get him with like the uh Paul Smith John Byrne Cockrum era X-Men team and then like in the current time. So that was really cool, but it's a little bit too much of the um, Guggenheim type thing where it's like Wolverine is healing from being disintegrated, that kind of thing, which is, that's, that takes me out of the story a little, but it was the first two, two and a half issues of the four issues were very entertaining. And then it just kind of became kind of silly to me, but it was fun. I like when they can having the different artists not just justify it, but it also helps the story with a quick shorthand like that. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to just, oh, we ran out of time and we need <laughs> need a few hands to help get this thing out. Many hands. Many hands indeed. <laughs> yes. So oh, I have but... our ongoing segment of Thunderbolts coverage. Because issue two came out. Oh. Yeah, didn't it come out in 1997, Kevin? <laughs> I think you would technically be correct, sir, which is the best type of correct. 
But no, this is by Kelly, Lanzig, and Borges. And they're in the Hellfire Club this time. Hmm. Which I thought was, like, Kingpin's going to be here, and I, the whole time I'm thinking, well, how's that going to work? Because he's working with the X-Men. Right. But that doesn't really come up. Like, I, I thought they might have a thing, like, first they were going to go after the Red Skull, now they're going to go after Kingpin. And I'm like, well, the X-Men is going to be really upset if you assassinate Kingpin. <laughs> For real. But that's not really a thing they're trying to do here. But it's like Winter Soldier has uh, two Black Widows on his arm as they go into uh, the Hellfire Club. Like, that's, pr- that's pretty much your your cast. Like, there's someone in a earpiece, but, you know. It's not like they're, their head's rolling on the floor and, and shooting people or anything. Misty Knight should always be the one in the headpiece. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's pretty good. But yeah, it's kind of funny because we know the whole thing with the Red Skull in the previous issue. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're like getting rid of his money and everything. And I'm like, you know how many times he's died and have they got rid of his money, like liquidated all his stuff like every time? And then does he go, I got to go get my uh, all my stuff back. Oh, someone got rid of that my treasured copy of that book from 1934 i gotta go reacquire all my possessions <laughs> yeah, i mean because something's got a fun keeping vanessa's iron lung going or whatever <laughs> <laughs> it just seemed weird and they're like oh yeah he's the eighth richest guy in the world and i'm like really uh-huh. like you know when they th- so they'll just throw something out there like the smartest person or whatever and then your brain's like Huh. <laughs> Who's seven through one? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm pretty sure those lists have Scrooge McDuck as the world's richest. So. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think. Uh, considering all the problems that Reed and Tony go through, they're they're probably not uh, not in the top of that list anymore. Nope. I mean, living on a farm. That's the other thing I was trying to figure out with Fantastic Four. Thinking about previous episode was I didn't have a problem with the Fantastic Four living in it at a pier, but apparently a farm is, is more boring for me. Yeah, they can't be landlocked. <laughs> I'm like, you don't need to be in the Baxter building. Yeah, and then they ha- like they have the the Thunderbolts headquarters like playset in here. And I was like, well that's weird. I'm like they might as well just set up in uh Colorado and then and, and have uh Tiger. have all those guys show up, Huma Sapien and uh you know might as well just do that whole bit. But yeah, they have a whole mission to accomplish here. I mean still not extremely Thunderbolts E, but they have a mission to do they pull it off, uh, more or less. And uh it's a fun time. So is this what the movie is going to be like? There's a special strike force that goes on missions, and this is going to be more in tune with that, you think? I'm thinking that's what it's going to be, but... Or do you think they're just... The comic people are just guessing that because they're not even allowed to know anything? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of guessing. Yeah. There's got to be a lot of guessing. There's always that whole dynamic. Yeah. I mean, if we we get a Thunderbolts movie, that's what I'm. That's what I'm always saying. You get the movie, and then like don't pick like the best concept for the Thunderbolts. I'm like, that whole concept is still out there. 
Like they could have had right. the best time in the past where they could have had a Thunderbolts movie is when the blip had happened. Totally, totally. And all those people disappeared. And then the Thunderbolts show up. Hey, we're here to save the world. We saw your heroes. Like that's the exact moment you need from the comics. And it happened in the movies. And they didn't do it in that moment. Or so it's like you have to engineer, if you're going to use that concept, like another moment like that for your movie universe, unless you just don't do the Thunderbolts like we would think they would do the Thunderbolts. Well, I think the the um, it should have been now. I mean, because now there's no team. There's no Avengers, right? That, But they're building towards this Young Avengers thing. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could the whole prison thing is is also a, was a great era too. So I mean, yeah, yeah, oh, well. I would be for that too. But I'm just like, you're clear of, uh, you know, some of those eras. We have it so much better in the comic books, Kevin, don't we? <laughs> we usually we do. do the, all these that's things. why they look at that stuff and go, "Oh yeah, we need to make a movie of that." All right, Andrew, didn't you have another one? Yeah, yeah. Uh, actual. Okay. Uh, making another uh, resolution like I always do, which I will fail. Andy's going more digital this year. So I was like, what better way than to try another one of these exclusive digital comics that they There's have? so many now. Yeah. So I, I checked out Avengers Unlimited. It's uh, there's um, they're up to 21 or something like that. I made about halfway through the series. Uh Landy, it starts with the uh, Ferratio, and then you know, seven, like artists switch every few. But what's kind of fun, first of all, I'm so future, I'm reading comic books on my phone, guys. I was like, oh, you know no. what, let's just embrace this for papers for old people. I'm a young person, and <laughs> what's fascinating is they're like wired this way, it's all these series of like strip panels. And it's a fascinating study in like the formalism of comics. And when you're limited by this, what does, how does that change the storytelling? The other thing I'm enjoying about it, which kind of goes against why people read big two comics is it's kind of, I'm sure it's in a continuity, but it feels like one of those continuity list stories of the Avengers, which I actually kind of dig from time to time. I mean, like I said, it goes against, well, Andy, don't you want Marvel for 60 years of complicated backstories? And while I dig that, there's something refreshing about this. And unlike a lot of those continuity-esque less stories, they're trying to put some gravitas in this one. It's about a potential alien invasion. And they're trying to figure... And so they get involved in the alien politics. So it becomes complicated as to... You know, they ended up backing one side from the get-go. Was that the right side? You know, as they uncover more and more, like, who's the right side? And I suspect there's going to be no right side in a sense, but to mim limit the damage of both. But I don't know, just a fascinating look at, like, I'm only going to read this comic that basically is the nine-panel grid, in a sense, you know, except it's a whatever a 50 single panels in a row or however long they are and it's been fun i recommend it i don't know if you want to binge i don't know that i would binge it that's why i only read like in little bursts of it because while it's interesting about it there is a bit of a i feel kind of bad for you know these different artists that have to like what 
No, no splashes, no funny little changes, no little arrows, Steve, telling me what order to read the panels. Right. In. <laughs> but yeah, if you like a bog standard Avengers, you know, yeah, you were talking the Captain Marvel, uh, Falcon Cap, Thor, Black Panther, Iron Man, Vision, Scarlet Witch, like a like a pretty standard line. I think this came out, started a few years ago, but you could have plugged this line in at any point since Falcon became Captain America, really. Um, a little bit interesting how they have to nerf the team a bit because obviously it's way overpowered when you have Captain Marvel, Iron Man, Thor, and Scarlet Witch are... And Vision's no slouch either, but those are ridiculously overpowered and then you've got you know falcon and black panther who's like i'm gonna fly over there and i'm gonna punch this guy with my claws you know what i mean it's i always like when writers have to because this is very much a team book and rolling the story out they have to find ways to make it seem like falcon isn't just use falcon cap isn't just useless <laughs> in a sense <laughs> because you know it's hard and that's the other like so they push those envelopes like there's a bad guy that can take all of them on at once and you're like that seems unusual and also again seems difficult they have to find some excuse for why you know the less powered ones aren't instantly vaporized or whatever but those are pretty big because they're not you're not enwrapped in the continuity and the sort of long-standing plot lines those things at least to me jump out more than if you're reading you know avengers number sure. 52 where you're tracking all the plot lines and everything but yeah yeah i mean look i pay for this crap why don't i enjoy it and i am digital comics guys comics on your phone look at me yeah that's yeah small. i hear I, I hear those kids are really into some of those webtoons i don't know what that is i'll have to look at <laughs> exactly. I'll have to find a young person <laughs> i like on the on the big the iPad Pro, that's a good, real nice size for a comic. Yeah, I've done it on laptop, and I have some sort of big tablet, too. But I was like, you know what, let's just try this. I think they're kind of wired for this. Yeah, yeah. Because of how they're structured. Because I've read them on other ones, and it wasn't as interesting. But this way, I think it really is kind of built for this, you know, the smartphone size where you have one big panel after another. I don't know. It's a weird, like I said, it'd be... I'm sure these guys have done interviews or whatever, but what a pain in the ass, it seems like. I've been reading, uh, I've kept reading the new Incredible Hulk title, and uh, there it's in the midst of a story arc that started with 6 and 7 and at least goes to issue 8, which hasn't come out yet, or might have come out today, actually, as we record this. But, Kevin, you got to jump in and give this arc a try. Oh, this is uh, the series is written by Philip Kennedy Johnson with art by Nick Klein. And the backdrop for the series is that there's like a primal elder monster God evil thing that's sending monsters after the Hulk to um, like assimilate him, I guess. He's little, uh, attracting monsters which is fun. So then you get to see the Hulk fight all different kinds of monsters, known and unknown. And there's a good... Uh... Does Tim Booba show up? Yeah, maybe. 
<laughs> there's kind of a creepy, eerie, see what I did there, um, <laughs> tone to the book, like a horror element that isn't derivative of our beloved Immortal Hulk series, but instead it's it's like evocative in a good way but like the transformations alone where he turns into the hulk are so horrible and disgusting and are like watching birth happen um without the thing of like oh my gosh that's a woman's parts um but you know there's just like tissue and it's just na- totally nasty when 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 he hulks out but these issues were maybe the best so far with the Hulk being mistaken for a threat on an Indian reservation by a a ghost rider, not the one you're thinking of, but he does ride a motorcycle and everything. Not a biplane. It's, it's, I mean, it's just really cool if you just roll with it and aren't like, which ghost rider, how just, just roll with it. And it's fun. And of course there's a real monster at large that then the two of them have to stop fighting and, fight take care of the real monster that has like this totem pole face kind of design that's really cool so you get the hulk and the spirit of vengeance teaming up and the nick klein art is perfect with the flames and like the way that klein draws humans they already look like they're charred kind of so like to have the go the ghost riders lines he has those um like joe cuberty kind of lines that are real scratchy even though they're inked that really come across good for bones and monsters and flames and desert settings. This one really hits the mark and it hasn't even wrapped up yet, but uh, I think you'll enjoy this. Also, well, Getsu's back. Back again. Spider-Boy? Close. Spider-Gwen. Oh, nice. I got the big... Uh... One of the books I bought on the trip for my wife was the uh, the epic, the the first Spider Gwen oh. epic collection. She liked it. Yeah, it's it's weird and wild and. Uh... Yeah, she was like, "Oh, Matt Murdock's a bad guy." <laughs> like it's yeah. fun. Like if you don't know anything about it and just read it without spoilers. Oh, sorry, I spoiled something, but <laughs> you know, it's it was a fun. To sit while she's reading that and I'm reading something else, I would be like, wow, hey. Yeah, that's one of the first modern uh, epics since everything is pretty much uh, one now. Modern classic. But yeah, it's kind of funny that, that that world. And the thing I like about that world is it's like the 299 universe where, like, yeah, things like Matt Murdock is a bad guy. So, you know, you can do all that crazy stuff. And the the thing I've been waiting for after all these uh, universe hopping things is uh, for Gwen to get back with her band and, uh, you know, play some music, play some shows, go on tour and everything like that. Hmm. So uh, we get some of that and I'm happy. And it's it's funny they even address one thing that was kind of dropped because, you know, the other series went maybe, what was it, 10 issues? And then they're, you know, they were like, oh, well, there was like unresolved things and it's like we're gonna make things bad for you in the press and etc etc and then in this they sort of like 
address some of that stuff. So I'm like, oh, good. Like it's like two or three miniseries later. I mean, yeah, she's been around. So I mean, I guess when you're, you, you they're not going to track you uh, across all these different worlds and, and to be horrible to you, right? It's when you come back home. But what is funny is uh, they're going to be opening up for uh, Dazzler, Steve. Nice. So, who do you think would be in this uh, in this band? Uh, I mean, characters you know. Hmm. We have uh, Rick Jones, hmm. uh, Natasha, uh, Lily Chenny. So I'm like, this, this is kind of a funny group of characters. Like, not the characters we know, but also not the characters we know. In a band. Kevin, Drax on the sax. <laughs> yes, that would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it looks like Rick Jones has a little uh, double guitar uh, attached to his back, too. Wow. Yeah. So it's funny, like, someone's actually targeting uh, Dazzler, and they want uh, Spider-Gwen around. So that's sort of, like, why the band... It's like pulled into this. And it's funny, they renamed the series Smash, and I'm like, oh, that's weird, rather than something like the On Tour or whatever. But a certain green character does show up here, so I'm like, oh, maybe that's why they renamed it. Maybe that's a better name. Hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm happy that it, it's it's back doing its thing, much like uh, Miguel O'Hara is doing his thing in, in these, like... It's a limited series, but it's also like these, I guess you could say like horror one shots. Like the first one is like Zombie 2099. And then you're going to have like Dracula 2099, Terror Incorporated 2099. Hmm. That's been, that's been kind of fun too. But it's like, it's weird when you get a series of limited series, because while there's a continuing element, sometimes it's like, missing more like of the stuff if you had an ongoing like you almost get to the point where it's like i feel like in the 90s venom kept on having a limited series and it's like just give him an ongoing series already <laughs> so i mean uh, yeah one of the elements i think is is like the, the spider-man 2099 is good no doubt like best it's been in a while since those uh I guess it was Kirkman that, that tried to like do something and then Spencer tried to do something and man, I don't think those were entirely successful experiments, but the current stuff I think is is way more successful with their continuing story. But I like that secret ingredients where you have like some where he returns home and like there's some weird hologram or something that he talks to. Like like I'm waiting for like some other like ongoing type of thing like that. Like, I feel like an ongoing series would would have, like, an extra spice to it. All right. I got one last one. Well, two last ones, quick ones. Both written by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly. Those guys again. One is the last few issues of the Guardians of the Galaxy book. A title that I'm I'm really enjoying. It's issues 8 through 10 I read, and this is on the heels of the whole Groot Fall scenario that we've talked about. 
and the Guardians. Is it, is it Groot winter now? Uh, more like spring. <laughs> there we go. Because uh, um, we thought the Guardians were dead, but they instead were assimilated into the ancestral home of Groot's almost extinct species. So they're reborn and now protect this entire fledging uh, fledgling sector of space. They're the guardians of Groot space. And they're still the guardians, you know, but everything, like all the designs from the costumes to the ship to the tech are all like grooted up. It's it, it's pretty cool visually. I mean, we've we the art is by Kev Walker and Walden Wong, and we, you know we loved Kev Walker when he did the Guardian stuff and the Thunderbolt stuff in the past. For sure, it's it's really enjoyable. Issue eight sets up this new status quo after the whole brute fall stuff, and issue nine has this kind of bonding adventure that's off to the side with Mantis and Gamora going off together and having like a little bromance adventure thing. And issue 10 has the entire armada of Peter Quill's ancestral home, Spartax, attacking Groot space. They want to burn it all down. And that is going to be continued, or I would guess concluded, in the first Guardians of the Galaxy annual that's supposed to come out, which put a smile on my face because I like the days where the tension was ramped up and you didn't have to wait a whole nother month to get the conclusion of the storyline because it was going to be in the annual that's published the same month as the last issue of the regular series and it's double-sized annual too so you knew you were going to get a real bang like that's always fun I prefer that than all the annuals are connected to their own thing. Plus, you were going to get a few pinups and a cutaway, right? I <laughs> hope so. Power comparison chart. <laughs> the many loves of Peter Quill. <laughs> so, Guardians is a fun title. And the other Lansing Kelly written book is the one shot that's like the point one for this next, uh, dare I say it, season of Marvel Comics. Don't say it, Steve. Don't say it. And Just say it's for 2024. All right, for 2024, for the calendar year, we get the timeless one-shot. Lansing and Kelly wrote it, and Juan Cabal drew it. We look at Power Man and Iron Fist as we remember them in the Bronze Age, and then we like get flung into the far future, some alternate reality where old man Luke is um, the wielder of the Iron Fist, and he's the sole resistance to this whole world society that's been totally conquered and taken over by Khonshu. You know, it's funny that that Moon Knight has some similarities to like a 2099 Moon Knight. Hmm. And like, I don't know if that, that I don't know if that's is that too big of a coincidence. No. I mean, and I want to leave out all the good parts. Yeah. There's many. But I will say that the issue ends suggesting that 
this Luke is maybe coming to our 616 Earth in our time, which would be totally weird. And do we have to have an... I mean, this feels very... It's too close to on the heels of Jed McKay's warlord Doctor Strange coming from the other dimension where mm. he's been hardened and comes back and he's just not going to fit in with our civilized, peaceful world where everyone gets along. Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Thunderbolt also already gave us the uh, the Judge Dredd Luke Cage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. <laughs> but, you know, he's going to hate Moon Knight. I would assume. So, I mean, I like that Moon Knight gets inserted into all this stuff. And I like that it's the, you know, the um, Plague Doctor, uh, Khonshu, you know, Bird. Like we said when we went through that last bunch of Moon Knight stuff, it really is only a construct of the last 15, 20 years that has that whole... Uh, Khonshu really is a god who's manipulating things and controlling things angle before then it was always just maybe or maybe he's mad that that was the madness right like uh, he, he believes he was reborn isn't that crazy um, but then they took the crazy a different way and they made the Khonshu stuff so solid that like the Avengers had to imprison him in Asgard I wonder if there are any people in the modern world that believe in Khonshu and are kind of myth that Marvel keeps misinterpreting what Khonshu is really like. That's the thing. Like, it's one of those things, you know, we all heard a little bit about Norse mythology and we've probably heard a lot about Greek and Roman and all that. But I feel like something like wheel in this Egyptian thing and most of us don't have any history with like, <laughs> for all I know, in reality, he was like the god of flowers or something you know what i mean like they, it could be a complete 180 from any possible earlier representations so keep picking those more obscure mythologies writers <laughs> the comics should always have the, the mythologies though and have them all mixed up and crazy and gilgamesh sure. and everything <laughs> yeah hercules and thor those are great rivalry all right let's make that an episode Next time we'll be back with something. We'll find out. So mysterious. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Andrew. Glad you're back. Until the Sorcerer Supreme retires and opens a coffee shop called Strange Brew, make mine marvel. Later. <laughs>